Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Well, good morning, everybody. Boy, you are awake. Woo. Man, that is awesome. You are singing so great this morning, that joyful noise choir. Man, I want to be a part of that. They told me that at least one person had to agree that I could sing, and I haven't found that person, but I'm looking, and I'm going to join that choir. <laughs> it won't be my grandson. Okay, so let's uh, turn to Colossians chapter 1. Let's get this back under control here. <laughs> we're in our series called Jesus is Enough, and we're going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. I've titled today's message, The Star of Stars. You'll see why in just a moment. Last week, we saw Jesus as the supreme Savior, uh, the one who, is deli- who has delivered us from Satan to God, transferred us from darkness to light, restored us from death to life. And D, forgave us from our sin. He is an awesome Savior. This week I found myself in my study attempting to describe the indescribable God. And I oftentimes just heaved a heavy sigh and just pushed away from my desk because I realized I could not find sufficient words to do that. All I can do is bring you an extremely obscure picture that only begins to define the indefinableness of our God. That he would die for such a one as me boggles my mind. Today we continue on in our reading. We'll be in Colossians 1.15. We'll cover just a few verses this morning as I uh, take a look at some of the attributes of the star of stars. Let's jump right in. Star attribute number one. And if you like to take notes, I encourage you to do so so that you can read over them maybe later and remind yourself. Star attribute number one. Jesus is the preexistent image of God. He's the preexistent. He has always existed in the past. He will always exist out into the future. He is the preexistent image of God. Verse 15 tells us this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The word firstborn here is not referring to what you and I might think of as in time or birth order, but rather prominence. He's the firstborn. He is prominent among all men. After all, Jesus has always existed, a term called preexistence, which means he has no beginning and no end. He is outside of time, space, and matter, so he is not bound by any of the three. When Paul tells the Colossians that Jesus is the firstborn, he is speaking about Christ's order of importance of his ranking. Uh, You may remember that the false teachers had begun to come into all the churches, really, but they were coming to Colossae, the, uh, the, the city of Colossae, and they were coming into the churches. And what they were saying is, yeah, Jesus was great. Jesus is awesome. Yeah, no doubt. Paul's right in that aspect, but here's where he's got it wrong. The angels are above Jesus. And Paul's going, no, it's not true because angels are created beings. 
Jesus created the angels. How could they be above him? We're going to talk more about that in a minute here. Jesus is the creator. He is over and above all created things. He is the image of God, meaning Jesus possesses the attributes, the character, and the nature of God. And if you want to know what God looks like or what he's like, all you have to do is look at Jesus and begin to study his life, and you will understand what God is like. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said to Philip, Philip, uh, by the way, he was, you know, Jesus is about to, to leave the upper room. They're going to go down the Kidron Valley and go out into the Mount of Olives where Jesus is going to be arrested in a few minutes. And, and right before, as they're doing this, Philip says, okay, look, you know, I followed you for a while now. I, I'm, I'm going to follow you. Um, but, but one thing I just got to ask before we leave this room, I, I need to see the Father. Show us the Father and then we'll believe you. And Jesus, I just picture staring at him for a minute. After three years, this is what you tell me? <laughs> and, and Jesus' reply to Philip is this. He says, Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. You've already seen the Father. You've been walking with him for three years. You've seen me. You know what he's like. Are you curious to what God is like? Begin to open your Bibles and, and, and just rip it apart. You understand who Jesus is. You understand who your heavenly Father is. Star attribute number one, Jesus is the preexistent image of God. Here's star attribute number two. Jesus is the creator of all things. He's the creator of all things. Verse 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Jesus created all things. He exists um, outside of his creation. Jesus created every government system, every ruler and being. He created the angels along with Lucifer and, and the, um, who became Satan, along with the fallen angels, uh, as we know as demons. He created those things as well. And no, God did not create evil, but he does rule over it and uses it to carry out his plan and his purpose. Satan, a.k.a. Lucifer, the angel, along with some of the other angelic hosts, uh, chose to rebel against God, and thus their fate is sealed forever. God uses their schemes to accomplish his will on earth. So when things seem a little crazy down here, they're not crazy in heaven at all. God's using each and every situation, every created thing, to bring about his will. And one day in heaven, we're going to get there, and we're going to be in our glorified bodies, and we're going to go, oh, wow. Didn't understand that in the moment. That's why you did thus and such. I get it. I get it now. It should be no wonder to us that even the wind and the waves obey his voice. He created them. He controls every single wave. Can you imagine this? There's never been a wave in the ocean that he himself did not perfectly control. He's in control of everything. Jesus created the heavens above us, what we call space, what we call the galaxies, 
uh, the stars, the moons, the planets, our sun, earth, and so much more. And I want to pause this morning to spend some time here because I think we may have become callous to the wonders of our Creator God. Last week we saw Him as the righteous and just judge who, will, who is ruling now, but one day will hold court, the ultimate session of court. He is the righteous and just ruler, but did you know He's also the amazing art, artistic Creator God who flung the stars into heaven? I don't want to miss out on this amazing side of his artistic nature. Sometimes we just tend to read over things like that. I want to dig in a little more, and you're going to hear why. As King David gazed upon a starry night filled with uh, just the bodies and the planets that he could see with his naked eye, it caused him to write in Psalm 8.3, he said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Dropping down to verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. All he had to do is look up and say, this is beyond words. You're amazing. In 1 Corinthians 15, 40, uh, Paul writes that there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. No two stars are the same, not even close. When God creates something, it's unique, it's beautiful. I'm looking at, at his unique creation right here, and each one he is beautiful this morning, I might say. David, again, in Psalm 33, points this out. He says he loves righteousness and justice. We talked about that if you were here last week. He is righteous. He is justice. He can't be anything else but righteous and just. He must be that, but he is also a creator. He's the ultimate artist. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts, that's the stars, all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He created these things by just breathing out. Galaxies were flung into place. Jesus merely breathed during creation, and the planets and the stars burst forth uh, into being with all their various colors and their brilliance, their size. Everything is just completely amazing. And I got into this this week. I got into the, I was an astronomy geek uh, this week, and I started looking at planets, and I started looking at the God we serve is beyond words. You start looking at the planets, you know, when I look up and see them, they're just these little white, you know, stars in the sky that you can barely make out. But when you actually go out with a telescope beyond, you know, our, our earth, it, it's amazing. Each star being a different color. It's beautiful. I can't wait to talk more about that in a second here. God in Isaiah 40 is answering the people of Israel who are crying out that he has either forgotten them or he doesn't care about them or he's unable to help them. See, Israel got themselves into trouble and then they want to blame God for why, you know, they're, they're suffering consequences. 
They're beginning to, to indict God and say, you've, you've forgotten us. How, did you, how could you allow this to happen? And then God responds with this. He says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes, look to the heavens. Who, who created all these? He who brings out the story host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Wow, he knows each one by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You go out there and you look up into the sky each night, not one of his stars or his planets are missing that he didn't allow. Not one. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by God, again, indicting him. Why, you know, why do you tell me that I don't care for you? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He, he's saying, I made a covenant with you. I've told you I will always love you and take care of you. Why do you say things like this? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Isaiah 40. Psalm 19, here's David again. He just couldn't get over this. He wrote, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of of his hand. What work? Well, let's go back to Genesis 1-1 to begin with. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Genesis 1-1. He created the earth. He created the seas. He created the plants. He created the trees. He created the animals. On and on and on and on. Then God said this. He said in verse 14, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, talking about the sun and the moon, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Got up in the middle of the night, and I looked out the bathroom window, and I once again just went, wow, thanks, God. For giving me a nightlight. God thought of everything. <laughs> then God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, that's the sun, of course. And the lesser light to rule the night, and the moon and the stars. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And to rule over the day and over the night. And to divide the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. We're talking about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, and Paul touches on his master artistry as he speaks, and the galaxies explode into being. He just merely breathes out galaxies. This is the God that you and I serve. This is the God that cares about you and cares about your life. I'm not sure God can do this. Really? God, the one that, that flung these into, into being... He's got you. He's got your back. Astronomers tell us that there are over 200 billion galaxies in the observable universe. 
Now, I have to say that because as telescopes get bigger and, and better, then the ga- we've got to keep adding galaxies behind that because, oh, look at this. There's 201 galaxies. Nope, 202. And they just keep going as, as telescopes get bigger, as they observe different portions uh, you know, of the universe, which is so vast that you know, I can't even explain it to you. But as, you, as they begin to do this or continue to do this, they're finding new galaxies all the time. So right now, there's 200 billion known galaxies. 200 billion Astronomers tell us that there are over um, 200 known galaxies, but now take a look just in our, ga- in our one little single galaxy all by itself. It's called the Milky Way. In our little galaxy here, there are over 300 billion stars. That's just one 200 billionth of a universe. And there's 300 billion stars that astronomers are aware of. Our tiny solar system is located in what's called the Orion arm of the Milky Way galaxy. Um, and in fact, if you know, you're looking at this right now, picture that as a piece of pie or a, a, a whole pie. If we're going to cut out our galaxy, the Orion arm is, is like between 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock. If you were to take that wedge out, you would see uh, the Orion. That's called the Orion arm. And obviously, our sun's there. Our earth is way too small. You couldn't put a... If you had the, the, a needle and, and just dabbed it in a little bit of paint, you couldn't make us... You couldn't show the stars. You couldn't show uh, planet Earth. It's too small. But you do see, if you, look, you know, stick your face against that screen up there... Uh, you'd be able to see just the faintest hint of our sun is right there. That's why the little X on the screen is there. It's made up of uh, eight major planets, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, and Uranus, along with the moons and the stardust that you see there. I mean, it's just jaw-dropping. It's beautiful. Uh, By the way, we had nine planets uh, for decades. When I was growing up, there was nine planets, but in 2006, scientists kicked out Pluto. And a lot of Pluto people are very upset about that. <laughs> they downgraded it to a dwarf planet. And uh, now, we, now they say we have actually eight planets in our solar system. Here's a picture that gives you the size and order from the sun of the, um, to the planets in our little solar system. Joe Diffie tells us we're the third rock from the sun. We're the fifth largest planet of the eight, the fifth largest. Now, that sounds pretty good, but wait till you see this. It's, it's very different than what I just described. The sun does not have a proper name, by the way. Did you know that? It's just the sun. Now, mankind never gave it a name. I mean, you know, thousands of years go by, it's the sun. So that's what I'm going to call it the sun this morning. In an attempt to get our minds around just how big our sun is, though, you can see that just a little piece of it uh, there, um, it's gigantic. It's it's beyond words. Um, Let me give you a comparison here. Scientists tell us that it takes 1.3 million earths to fill up the inside of the sun, our sun. So if somehow you took the, and if you look, I find it, it helps to squint and I, uh, I can't see it from here. There it is. It's under the R, uh, and it's the tiniest dot that you can make on, on a screen like that. But that's the earth compared to the sun. 
6.3 million earths, if you could grind them all up in a gigantic cosmic grinder, and you ground up 1.3 million earths, and then you took that big bucket and you poured it, it would fill the sun if it was hollow. So that's how big our sun is, 1.3 million times the size of our earth. So the sun must be the big dog in the universe, right? No, it's not. It's not even a freckle. While our sun may seem big to us, it's really just a big fish in a small pond. The biggest and brightest star in our little galaxy is called Arturus. Now, Arturus can hold, get this, 17,500 suns within it. So you would have to, as big as the sun is, I mean, our little earth is a speck, if you, took up, if you ground up 17,500 suns, it, you, you, you could fill up Arturus. That's how big it is. I don't think I can even imagine this. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to do a lot of things. But, you know, at some point, I just want to go see this. I just want to go observe these things up close. Can you imagine getting to walk on Arturus? That would be amazing. So Arturus must be the big dog, right? Nope. <laughs> it's a big fish in a small pond. Let me introduce you to Betelgeuse. Not Betelgeuse. That's a movie and a really weird one at that. I don't think I slept for three nights after I watched that. What was, what was I thinking watching this thing? This is a, anyway, I digress. Betelgeuse. It's gigantic. Betelgeuse is appropriately called a red supergiant star. Of course, that's a classification. It describes it pretty good. It could hold 1.6 billion of our suns inside of itself. 1.6 billion suns. Now, I did the math on this. That would be 1,400 trillion Earths it, you could stick inside of Betelgeuse. 1,400 trillion Earths. So Betelgeuse is definitely the big dog, right? Nope. <laughs> it's just a medium fish in a big pond. Let me introduce you to the big dog. 9.3 billion of our suns would fit into Canis Majoris. Anyone speak Latin here? Anybody? My grandson does. <laughs> okay, grandson, what is... Um, Canis Majoris mean in English? It literally translates to the big dog. The big dog, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's learning like five languages right now. Um, the name Canis Majoris literally means big dog. Canis, canine, you know. Uh, Majoris, majority, it's huge. Uh, the big dog, it definitely has the credentials to go along with it too. It's also classified as a super red giant star like that of Betelgeuse. Uh, but much larger. I mean, it, it, it makes Betelgeuse look tiny. So how many Earths can fit inside Canis Majoris? How many Earths? Well, here's the answer on the screen. I'd give it to you, but I don't have time right now. There it is. Yeah, I know what that is. That's math. I spent 15 minutes in math, and they told me it wasn't my subject. I don't even know how to say that, much less how to... Oh, wait a minute. 
A, a, a mathematician a professor came up to me last night after service, and he had a big smile. He's new to the church, and he goes, I have an answer for you. And I said, for what? Your math problem. <laughs> oh, good, good, because Siri can't help me. <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't know how to say those things. Um, he said, here's the answer. He says, I've been on my computer, on my uh, phone ever since you said that word. And I said, you're supposed to be listening to the sermon. Not... <laughs> but you can't help mathematicians, you know. So he gets out, and he's doing this and, and doing this. And he says, okay, you ready for this? And I said, shoot. He says, it's, and let me get this right, um, 750 trillion, 400 million and 40,000 Earths would fit inside Canis Majoris. I just know that's a whole lot. <laughs> that grinding machine would break down long before it could ever fill Canis Majoris. Listen to Isaiah again now in view of what we've just talked about. Lift up your eyes, God says. Lift them up. We forget. We look around. We look down. We look inward. God says, we just look up? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.